Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, women's empowerment coach and motivational speaker, Megan Hall. And on this podcast, I'm going to connect you with inspirational women who will share their real stories. And we're going to chat about topics relevant to women today. I'd love to continue to support you on your life's journey. Please join us in the Inspired Women community on Facebook. Thank you for tuning in today and enjoy the show. Hey guys, today I'm here with Dee. Dee Layler is a consultant, mom, and wife. She has been teaching diversity and inclusion since 1994. As the mother of one, her primary focus is assisting other parents with their goal of raising socially conscious children who are aware of social justice issues. And I try really hard to do that, so I'm really excited to talk to you today, Dee. <laughs> In her free time, which is limited with a four-year-old, she creates book art as a means of relaxing. Ooh, that sounds like fun. So I was introduced to Dee via um, a friend of mine's post on Facebook. Somebody tagged Dee because I was like, I'm looking for somebody to come on the podcast and talk about all of the topics. You know, I mean, obviously we're 40, limited to 45 minutes, but, um, you know, white supremacy, white privilege, white fragility, implicit bias, all the fun things that come along with racism because I feel like a lot of people in America nowadays, a lot of white people, I should say, in America nowadays, are like racism doesn't exist anymore, but it's not as blatant. It's more underlying. So Dee's here to share with us some information and help us, you know, learn because I feel the more we know, the better we can do. Um, so Dee, can you start us off? Um, sure. So let's start off with uh, white privilege, because a lot of people are like, well, I'm not privileged because I'm white. But white privilege is not overt. There's lots of privileges. Like I'm educationally privileged because I have university degrees. Um, white privilege is being able to do things without consciously having knowledge that it, you are helped because you are white. Uh, for instance, resumes. If you have an ethnic name, a black name, your resume is automatically put to the bottom of the pile. A white man with a criminal record will get hired over a black man without a criminal record with the exact same experience. Um, that's privilege. So privilege is not necessarily, because um, you'll get a lot of people say, well, I grew up poor, my parents didn't have anything. Yes, but you didn't grow up poor because you were white. Yes. And that's the difference. So once you add in uh, redlining, the inability to get a mortgage, the inability to get a business loan, and top all those on top of each other, everything starts to pile up and then you start looking at it like, oh, wait, I never even thought about that. Even something as simple as walking down the sidewalk. So if you're walking down the sidewalk, and I ask white people to do this experiment, walk down the sidewalk and move out of the way of people of color. And then consciously think about how many times that you don't do that and you expect them to move out of your way. And people are shocked that they do and they're like, oh my God, I've never actually done that before. And it's, it's just the little things and we call them microaggressions that you don't think of. Um, somebody serves you in front of somebody else who was in line who's a person of color and you just go ahead and you don't think, oh, well, that person was there in front of me. That's the privilege that you get from being white. Not being followed, like when I go shopping, this is, there are very specific things I do. I carry a small purse that has a zipper. I assure all the zippers are closed. Anything that I need to dig out of my purse, I do it only at the cash register. I don't go into my purse. I don't wear anything that's bulky or pocketed um, just so that I don't get accused of shoplifting because I know I'm being followed. And if I'm in a snarky mood, I will ask the people who are following me to help me find something <laughs> because I, I know they're there. And I'm like, listen, I know you work here. Can you help me with this? And they'll just look at me like, 
well, I don't work here. I'm like, please, we both know you work here. And those, those are privileges that a lot of, like my sisters are white. I saw growing up how they were treated differently. One of my sisters is petite blonde. There was an incident when uh, we were growing, we were on a bus and we forgot to get our transfers. And it was me, my then um, boyfriend, my husband now, um, my sister, her boyfriend, and my other cousin and her husband. And we, I said, well, Joanna, you need to go get the transfers. She's like, well, no, anybody can go get them. And her boyfriend's like, no, you need to, little blonde girl, you need to go get the transfers for all of us. And she's like, okay. And because we all knew that we wouldn't get the transfers, but she would easily get them. And sure enough, she came back with the transfers and we're like, thanks. <laughs> she's like, why can't you do it? I'm like, because he wouldn't give them to me. I know he wouldn't give them to me. And those, those are privileges that people don't think about. And it's when you're explaining it, people always, it automatically goes to money if you're poor. I'm like, my mother, I'm, my mother was 18 when she had me. I was poor. I do not eat peanut butter because I eat so much of it as a kid. I hate peanut butter. And that's, those are, I understand what it is to be poor, but that's not the privileges that we're talking about. It's, it's so much more than that. Yeah, I uh, somebody once said it to me in a way that said it is not. It is. It's you will never have to worry. They were talking to me. You'll never have to worry, Megan, about um, being discriminated upon because of your race, and that's white privilege. They're like, mm -hmm. you'll never have to worry that you might be discriminated upon because you're a female, but yeah. <laughs> not because of your race. And uh, my son, who is a white male, he 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 will never have to worry about any of that, right? Because he, no. he's white, he's able-bodied, uh, he comes from a middle-class home, like, none he's of good. Yeah, he's good to go. Uh, where a, a man of color would not have the same privileges. Yep. And that's it. And it's, it's, the, it's the little things that people miss is what adds up to big things. And people don't understand, like, you, when you look at um, housing, and redlining. When my husband and I went to go get our first mortgage, our mortgage for the house that we're living now, um, we went to Bank of America. My husband has excellent credit. Excellent. We're talking like 800 above. And the Bank of America guy never called us back after the meeting. Never called us back. I'm like, you don't want the money? Like, what's going on? So then we went to another guy. We got, finally got our mortgage. And like, that's just a little thing. Like, if we had we would have to go through a dozen people before we even tried because they don't want to give us money. Like we went for a business loan and the lady said, no, she came into our business. Like I think six months later we were packed. It was crazy busy. And she got something. She goes, Oh, I guess we should have given you the loan. I'm like, yeah, I guess you should have. I'm <laughs> like, really? <laughs> so it's, it's, it's stuff that we see all the time. And as I was talking to somebody else, the only time, the only reason people are seeing more of it now is because everybody has cell phones. So mm -hmm. now people can tape it and people are speaking out. So it's always been there. It's just now it's like the revolution is being televised. I said the other day, everybody can see it and you can't hide it anymore. The, the covert stuff is becoming overt mm -hmm. because of cell phone technology and um, social media. And like we've been, go ahead. You mentioned microaggressions earlier. What are some other examples of microaggressions and, and what are microaggressions? So micro, microaggressions, they're like death by, pa by paper cut. So microaggressions are the small little comments um, that happen again and again and again and again and again. 
So um, asking somebody who, um, like one of my friends, she's from California. She's Asian. She's Korean. She's always asked where she's really from. Like she's been in California her entire life. Her mother's from California. Her dad's from California. Her grandparents are from California. But she constantly gets asked where she's from. That's a microaggression. Um, <coughs> hair. Touching a black woman's hair without permission. Yes. I don't know why people <laughs> insist on doing it. Because it's so pretty. No, I've never touched oh, without permission, but I've asked. And I didn't realize asking can also be um, offensive to ask somebody <laughs> to touch their hair. Yeah. And it's, there's so many things behind it because there's so much um, behind our hair. And at one point, having our hair covered was illegal. There was laws against it. It's, there's a long history to it. But it's, it's about not fetishizing somebody and not making somebody... Like, I've had women pet my hair like I was an animal. I'm like... Oh, and I no. turn around, like, what are you doing? And she's like, I just wanted to see what it felt like. I'm like, do you own me? Like, you ask. You it's don't like just... touching a pregnant woman's belly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wore a do not touch shirt when I was pregnant. It's, I'm like... <laughs> Don't touch people you don't know. Another one is, um, so, it's like shady compliments. Like when somebody goes, oh, you're so articulate. And there's the unspoken for a black person. Yeah. And it's like, thank you. I guess those three degrees have paid off kind of thing, right? It's, it's the little things that just constantly add up. And most, most of the time, people don't understand that it's not really a compliment that it's not nice behavior because nobody's ever told them. So that's microaggressions. And if you remember it like paper cuts, a lot of people uh, are able to understand what it means when they say paper cut because a paper cut seems small, but it hurts. And then a ton of them would hurt, would, would put you in a lot of pain. Yeah. And I also maybe um, thinking about it like this, asking ourselves the question, would uh, those of us that are white, like, would I also say this or do this to a white person? Like you would never, I no, I honestly, I would never go up to another white person and be like, can I touch your hair? Like, so if I think about it that way, like, I'm like, well, that's, yeah, that's really inappropriate because I wouldn't do that to somebody else. Yeah. And I, most of the time I'll ignore it because I've gotten, sadly, I've gotten so used to it. There was one day I was at the, uh, my hair is pulled back now. I have a lot of hair. And a lady said, oh, it must be so great. Your hair does so many things. And she went, reached out to touch me. And so I did the exact same to her. I'm like, how do you do it with, with this hair that just lays there and doesn't do anything? And she kind of just looked at me. And I'm like... <laughs> And her sister was with her and she just burst out laughing. And she's like, she just did exactly what you did. Why are you upset? <laughs> and I'm like, so sometimes I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a sugar coder. I did 19 years in the military. I'm like, what you see is what you get. I will tell you what I think and go for it. And like, if you don't like it, you know, I'm not really that worried because when they comes, when push comes to the shove, uh, when I talk about social justice and everything, I'm fighting for my life and my son's life, my husband's life, and they matter more than somebody else's feelings. Yeah, it's so, so it's, true. Um, yeah. So we talked about white privilege. What about white fragility? This is a, a concept that n not everybody's heard of. And when they hear about it, they're like, no, mm -mm. that's even worse. Than, I mean, it, I don't want to say it's even worse than white privilege, but when I, people's reaction is worse than when you say white privilege. <laughs> So I can 
the white privilege, uh, white fragility is, you'll hear the other term, white tears. So when I'm having a conversation with somebody, I can predict exactly how they're going to react. Because first, they're going to get defensive. I didn't say that. I'm not a racist. Then they're going to get angry. Well, you're just being aggressive. You're being um, angry. You're attacking. You're bullying me. And then they turn themselves into a victim. And then it's, oh, poor me. I didn't know better. And that's where they talk about the white tears. And it's so predictable. You can follow it in a conversation. And that's why they say the talking about race is really hard because of how the conversation occurs. I've never taught the whole, how do you do the white tears? Even growing up with my white mother and white sisters, I can't, I don't, I don't do it. I don't understand how it works because I wasn't raised that way. I was raised that I always had to stand up for myself no matter what. So when I see it, I'm like, Oh God, here we go again. And then you have to like, word and even as polite as you can I can be it still comes out with the attacking and bullying and everything and I'm just like I just roll my eyes go with it and just keep going because eventually two things will happen they'll either block me they'll delete their conversation completely so that it looks like all of us who are educating are talking to themselves I hate that that is so (laughs) shady that's some shady shit right there yeah and it's like well that's why it's called a dirty delete most of the time and it's so then you've not only, but the, the worst part I hate about that is not only have they lost the education to themselves, other people who are reading lost it as well. Yes. And so the reason that I, I we got connected was actually because of, yeah, Danielle Laporte. And um, she actually did that. Like there was a whole conversation about her program and how inappropriate some of the images were, which they were inappropriate. When you actually look at them, you're like, what the hell? How did you not see this shit? Uh, but she deleted a whole thread, a whole thread of, of black women, like at their own expense, educating and yeah. deleted the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And it happens all the time. And I had, uh, there was one lady and I loved her. She was, she was the sweetest woman. She was on another thread with another white spiritual woman because the spiritual community, mind, mind leaders, thought leaders, yoga is there. Like the, the more progressive somebody says is they are the worse their comments are usually and the worse their followers are. So she had one conversation with somebody and then the lady said, um, and it was priceless. She said, what was this? You may not be a racist, but you're doing racist stuff. And then all of a a sudden, the conversation just stopped. And all you saw was all these white women going, oh, wow. Um, And there was no words. that You could see people reading. And, and like, someone was like, I never thought of it that way. Oh, my God, what I've been doing. And so many people were having a revelation. And then it got deleted. And I was, like, so mad. Because all these other people had seen this and finally got that sentence just hit for them. And you, like people are, the, the sentence I hate the most is, I'm the least racist person you'll know. And I'm oh, like, such bullshit. We all have <laughs> like biases and stuff going on. Yeah. Like it's, it's not even, there's no way to like get it out of you because you just, you've been inundated with it. <laughs> like everybody has, everybody has them. And I don't know, if you say you don't, you're a freaking unicorn because it is not possible to grow up in North America, and I include Canada because I'm from Canada and live in the USA, that you cannot grow up, go through an entire school system 
where the education is whitewashed and live with a, a system of white supremacy and not have biases. Like we all have things that we need to unpack. There's all of them. Um, so we mentioned implicit bias. Can you talk a little bit more about that? So implicit biases are biases that you're unaware of. Um, so for instance, there is a, a Harvard test that tests your implicit bias. I'm not a big fan because you can, you can fudge the test. But uh, so one is having a preference um, without even realizing for um, white people over black people. And they're called implicit because you don't know. Um, for instance, if you get into a <coughs> elevator with a black man, you automatically grab your purse. That's an implicit bias. If black men are walking by and you lock your doors, another implicit bias. You don't even realize that you're doing it because it's an it's unconscious movement. Um, second. The assumption that if you see a police report and uh, somebody gets shot by the police, that they're automatically guilty. Now, we have uh, innocent until proven guilty, but because of unconscious bias, implicit bias, people think automatically, well, if they got shot, that they were guilty. Mm-hmm. And it happens all the time. So people don't realize, and I tell people, um, take the Harvard test, but take it with a grain of salt, because it can be fooled. If you know exactly what the test is for, you can fudge it. I can do the test and come up with a whole bunch of different uh, variations. I recommend people take the privilege test to see where they lie. And not the BuzzFeed one. Um, there's another one I'll send you the link for it. Okay. And it's, uh, they call it the white privilege test. Um, because it's about getting to the same spot, but not having a whole bunch of obstacles in your, in your place to get there. And that's why it's called the privilege test. Um, another implicit bias is um, one that I come across a lot, is people will listen to me more than a darker skinned person because I'm lighter with long hair. Okay. I look more European. So that's an implicit bias. I am deemed uh, not as dark, so I'm more friendlier. And that's not really true most of the time with most people. And it's, it's an implicit bias. You put, um, you've stereotyped people and put labels on them within your head that you don't even think about anymore because you've been doing it for so long. Yeah. And it's hard to catch yourself in those things. I have to be really honest yeah. because you have to be really cognizant of your actions and your words and your thoughts when you come across someone of color, because it, I, I was brought up in a predominantly white area of the country. When I say that, um, my whole time growing up, we had one person of color in my school, one, my whole time growing up. Uh, so I was brought up where like, we weren't racist and I put that in quotation marks, but my parents had a lot of, um, jokes they called them jokes uh about people of color that were inappropriate and i didn't realize how inappropriate they were until i moved down here my husband's like you can't say that like what are you doing and i was just like what like i didn't know because i had never really been around a lot of people of color before i moved down here so it was those things that i mean that's like 20 some years worth of um, inundation that I've had with these Ooh. that I have to be very cognizant. And what I do is I try to diversify the people that I'm around, the um, the kind of information I'm getting. So Ooh. when I notice that 
you know, my, my feet is whitewashed or that my, my, who I'm surrounding myself is whitewashed. I have to start to get out of my comfort zone and really start to seek out people that are different than what I'm used to. Yeah. And I tell people that, that you can't, uh, you can't live in a bubble or an echo chamber. Mm -hmm. Like I have people who are on my page who completely disagree with everything I say. And that's fine. Some of them will eventually come around to realizing that they have biases and prejudices that they need to work on. But it's good and it's, um, I think it's constructive if you have people that disagree with you because it always challenges you to come up with ways to get across to them your opinions. And <coughs> you're not, we're not always necessarily right or maybe not right's the word. Um, there's more than one way to get a point across. Yeah. So sometimes you just have to come up with different ways. And if you know um, what they're watching or what they're listening to, you can use that language to help come across to them. Because I, I'm a, I have all sorts of things on my, on my feed. Because I, I watch from far right to far left and everything in between. Mm-hmm. Some of them make me very mad to read it because I'm like, oh my God, that's so wrong. There's facts. That's not like, right. So, no, it's like, oh you're killing me and I'm I'm dying reading it but I know that I have to read it so I when I read the comments I see what they're talking about so I can help them come help come across differently to them so I can get my point across better because they just won't listen otherwise well I appreciate that you do that and not everybody feels the same way you do I follow some women of color that um their point, they don't take no bullshit, like no bullshit, like where they'll block and delete people if they are like in any way, shape or form being offensive. And I can't blame them at all. Um, so, but I mean, I, I see a lot of, um, variation. And so I try to follow because sometimes it triggers me to be honest. Like when I'm reading some of this stuff and I'm, I'm just like, no, like, I'm not like that. And then I'm like, wait, 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 if if I'm triggered, if I'm triggered, That's white fragility. White yes. fragility. <laughs> if I'm triggered, there's a good chance that yeah. there's something, something here, right? Because yeah. that's the only, I mean, when we read things or we see things and it triggers some kind of emotion, there's something underlying, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. that we really need to be aware of that. And so I have to check myself and be like, what, what's going on here? Why am I like at all like upset or offended by this? Um, one of the things one of the women I follow talks a lot about in her posts is emotional labor. Can you, can you share more about emotional labor? So <clears throat> emotional labor is when we're, it's, it's emotionally draining and physically and mentally draining to constantly educate people. So some people charge for emotional labor. Um, I do in some groups, in most of the groups I don't because that's, they don't, it's not part of those groups. And what it is is when you're educating, we're educating the same things over and 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 over again. It's like sitting driving a car with somebody, and the person stays in first gear and refuses to get out of refuses to get out of first gear, and you're telling them over and over again. And that's what happens. I've watched um, instances where people have educated for two, three, four hours, and the person, not that they're not getting it, they're refusing to get it. And the people get so drained, they'll go into other groups that are PC only, and they're like, listen, I can't do that anymore. Can somebody else jump in there? And that's what emotional labor is about, because it is so, we're talking about our lives, and people are constantly dismissing 
or invalidating or trying to put blame on something else when it's their behavior. Like there was one lady, um, we were talking about parenting and she said, well, if more black men stayed with their families, there wouldn't be so many issues in the black community. What? And I was like, and so we decided, you know what? Okay. Before we do this, we're going to talk to her, but like, because studies have shown black men are actually the most involved with their children. So forgetting all that, she was going on some old statistic and we're like, that's not the case though. The community, the issues in the black community. Yes. We have issues with single parent families as do all communities, but there's so much more behind it other than that. And you go into massive police patrolling, systematic equality in the justice system and in the prison system and a ton of stuff. And she refused to see anything. And as far as she concerned, all the problems in the black community had one sole issue. And that was because there's no fathers in the home. And that was it. Now this was in a group that only had married mothers, only married women. So her, her whole point was lost because every, everybody in there had two parent homes. So it was like, what are you talking about? You're talking about no men in the homes when you're in a group and every single family in there has a man in the home. So you're statistically, you were wrong to begin with, but she just refused to listen to anybody. And this was her reality and that was it. So she, was, she didn't care what anybody had to say. I have, so, to, I have to be really honest. Like every person of color I know have like parents who've been together for like 40 years. <laughs> I know way more white people whose parents divorced and you know, they were in a single parent at home. I'm mean, including me yeah. growing up. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's all about what, what the media has shown and what books show and what magazines show. So when people see movies and they see these stereotypes of what we look like and what we do, then that's what people believe because they'd never seen anything else. Because 70, it's, what was the statistic the other day? 75% of white people have no friends who are anything but white. <coughs> so if you don't know what anybody looks like, all you have to go off is TV and magazines, mm -hmm. then, you know, you're stuck with a bubble. Yeah, I think that's why conversations like this are so valuable. I actually have a friend named Christina and she started a podcast called Your Neighbor's Hood. And it's her and her friend, Jackie. Uh, Christina's white. Uh, Jackie is African-American. And they talk about all of these, these topics we're talking about right now. <laughs> In like very realistic, like their last episode, they were talking about um, they were going through magazines, you know, and they were talking about different things. And Christina talked about dry shampoo and Jackie's like, what the hell is dry shampoo? And it was just, it seems silly, but it was a really fun conversation because yeah. we just don't know what we don't know. Yeah, exactly. That's and exactly I, it. And I think we have to listen to these kind of conversations and open our minds a little bit because like you said, if you're in that echo chamber of the, all these people that think, act, and look just like you, well, you're not going to see any other side but that. Yep. Yep. And so and people are... And the problem is people get uncomfortable when they find out that what they've said or what they've done is inappropriate because we're, um, people are so focused on being good that their actions and have I've had people say, well, I'm not a racist. I'm like, um, you just call her colored. Like we have colored hasn't been used since the fifties. I'm like, that's, that's pretty racist language. You use it. I'm like, I'm sorry. She goes, well, in my time, I'm like, what do you mean your time? You're younger than me. 
So there's no, in my time, it doesn't work anymore. You can't, you can't come up with excuses when you know this is the age of my smartphone is smarter than my laptop. There's no reason anymore. You can Google from your watch for crying out loud, like research, look things up if you don't know. My grandmother uses the word Negro and I'm like, Meme, that is inappropriate. And my mom's like, Megan, she knows she was brought up in a time where that was appropriate. I'm like, but she has to know that it's not anymore. Like she can't say that anymore. Like that's too close to the other N word. And my mom's like, well, she's getting older. I'm like, she's not that fucking old mom. Like seriously, she needs to know. And my grandmother's like, oh, I'm sorry, Megan. Like, I didn't realize it was inappropriate. I'm like, because nobody's ever told you. Like, everybody just yeah. like, passes it off because you're an old lady. And I'm like, no, it's not appropriate. You can't say that word. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the older people getting a pass, I'm like, no. I'm like, we're talking about, if you're older, that means you lived through Jim Crow. You were there for segregation. So then I ask people, I'm like, okay, if she says that, what was her stance on integration? And then you find out exactly where they stand, and then you know for sure. Because people were like, oh, well, I was totally against or totally for integration. I'm like, all right, well, now we know. Yeah. <laughs> so my grandparents have gotten, well, I should say my grandmother's gotten more open-minded about things. My grandfather, not as much. Like, he, my daughter was talking about, she, she her, her dad's very ignorant, her biological dad's very ignorant, and he flipped out on her because she, he said, you better not go back to Virginia and get yourself a black boyfriend. And she's like, I'll date who I want. And I was like, I'm all for her dating who she wants. It doesn't matter like mm -hmm. race, religion, sexual orientation. Like I'm good. Well, she said this in front of my grandfather. My grandfather's like, I don't agree with interracial marriage. I don't think that's okay. And I was like, well, guess what? She's not your daughter. And that is okay yeah. in 2018. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah, and people will, will deny that this is this occurred, but you know what? When you look at it and people are like, well, I'm not responsible for what happened 400 years ago. I'm like, really? The last slaves were not 400 years ago. Like, I'm reading uh, Barracoon, uh, The Last Black Cargo. Oh. <laughs> he was interviewed in 1944 or something like that. So it's it's an amazing book because it's his words on his thoughts on being captured and being a slave. and People are like, well, 400 years ago, I'm not responsible for what my great-great-great-grandparents did. I'm like, okay. It was like only like three generations ago, man. It wasn't yeah. that far long ago. <laughs> yeah, my great-grandmother was a slave. I'm like, so where, where were you in the 60s when there was segregation, when there was colored and white bathrooms? So that wasn't 400 years ago. You know, and people are like, well, you know, I'm like, let's, let's think about this. We're talking about, now we're talking about your parents, or depending on your age, you. So it's, it's completely legitimate to ask questions. And when people are asked questions and they're put on the spot and then they realize, okay, well, maybe I am wrong about this. Maybe my behavior is racist, but it's still all about being considered a good person. Yeah. Being called, calling somebody a racist was like the lowest you can call somebody. I'm like, but that's pretty low to be doing that. Like that is you're when calling people out, I call people as I see it and only hit dogs holler the way that the old saying always works. If you're not being a racist, you're not going to say something because it's not you. Yeah. So why worry about it? If you're not, if you're not doing anything that people consider racist or transphobic or homophobic or uh, xenophobic or anti-Semitic, then don't worry about it. 
because it doesn't affect you because it's not you doing it. Yeah. So you can- I, well, when the whole thing, the whole tweet from Roseanne Barr happened, uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I posted something about it on Facebook about how I'm glad she lost her freaking job. She deserves to lose her job. That's inappropriate. And I had this ex-boyfriend of my mom's hop on there and he was like, going off on me about this and he's like it wasn't racist i'm like no dude it was racist and then of course once i pointed out it was racist he had to change his tone he's like well she shouldn't have been fired that's inappropriate i said no what she said was inappropriate he's like freedom of speech and i'm like listen you can say what you want but that doesn't mean you don't have to deal with the consequences of what you say exactly. and then yep. his last comment to me was what's well, been 150 years of this hate good luck defeating it and i was like that is not just because something's been going on forever doesn't mean it's okay yeah. yeah. That kind of that kind of mindset to me is like so stupid. <laughs> like, I, I love when people use freedom of speech because I'm like, well, the First Amendment is about the government stopping you from, from uh, speech. It has nothing to do with private corporations. And right. you can fire any, like, if you screw up and Roseanne is problematic, she's been problematic forever. Oh, yeah. And people are only seeing it now. And I'm like you were all shocked like have you not listened to her for the last 20 years right so so when people are like oh freedom of speech i'm like yeah her free speech got her got her fired that's yeah. all there is to it you still have to she deal with still, consequences yeah she can still say whatever she wants nobody has stopped her from saying anything you just have to deal with what happens that's the way it works right so. I really liked Ambien or the, the company that makes Ambien's response to her. It's like, there's a lot of side effects that Ambien has, but racism Wait. is not one of them. That was, that was excellent clapback. I don't know who was running their social media, but they were good. Not as good as Wendy's. Wendy's is, the, Wendy's is still king. But yeah, they Wendy's were takes the cake for all of the things. Like yeah. Wendy's is snarky. <laughs> I don't know who's running it, but they're doing a great job. So when we're talking about people of color, sometimes we see the acronym BIPOC come up. What what does that mean? For those that don't know what it means. So black indigenous persons of color. And I'm not really fond of using it only because if you have person of color and black together, it's kind of, they, you're black, you're a person of color. Yeah. So I just use I just use POC, okay, because it it's all encompassing. Unless I know specifically um, what somebody identifies themselves as, not what I would identify them, but what they identify as. And people are like, "Well, what do you mean by that?" So, for instance, I identify as black, not African American. I was raised and born in Canada, even though my father is American. He's deceased now, and I immigrated to the U.S. I identify as black because I did not grow up in the United States. I have a different experience than somebody who grew up in the United States. Mm-hmm. So, and people are like, well, what do you mean? Isn't it all the same? I'm like, no, there's, it's very different. There's, um, you still face all the, you still face all the same things in Canada that you do in the U S. Um, it's just the experience is different and the culture is different. So even though I have American family and I, I experience the American culture, I don't identify as an African American even though my family does come from the diaspora, which is a whole long story. <laughs> so it's, people are like, well, that doesn't make sense. I'm like, it doesn't have to make sense to you. It makes sense to me. Yeah. Right? So, so then, African-American is specifically for those people of color who are like live in the United States. Perhaps we're probably were born in the United States. Yeah. Most it's people who were born in the United States who 
are are from the diaspora because they don't know it's from not knowing where your family originates. Okay. So, um, like I did a DNA test, so I know the general areas where my father families originate. Whereas from my mother's family, I know exactly where they're from. Yeah. <coughs> so it's, so people are like, well, if you're African and you come to America, are you African-American? I'm like, no, Africa is a continent with countries. <laughs> so if you come to Africa, if you come to America from Africa, you're probably either Kenyan American or Ghanaian American or Senegalese American. And that's a big pet peeve because people don't understand that Africa is a continent, not a country. And they sweep all of them together. And so they don't understand. And that's part of why people use African-American versus a specific country. Whereas if you come from a specific country, you keep that country. You don't lose your country. That makes a lot of sense. So yeah. it would it would be people that have there they've been generations here mm-hmm. in the United States because they don't know where their lineage came from because yeah. it, chances are their lineage was slaves at yeah. one point. And in time. It, yeah, and as somebody who's done genealogy, it's ridiculously difficult to track um, slaves because they've put in they're in catalogs, they're in farm um, inventories. And if you don't know a specific area, then it's really hard. My, for my fa- father's family, um, I go back. I can go back as far as to Virginia um, five generations ago. That's it. So wow. I know that five generations ago, my father's family were used as breeding slaves. That is my family history. That is the reality of having slaves in your background. That is who I am. So when people are like, well, I don't see color. I'm like, you know what? You need to see color because you need to see what my family survived. Yeah. And um, I, and to be honest, I used to say that, but I didn't realize at the time what it really meant to me. Yeah. It meant like, I don't discriminate based on cover, color, but that's not what it, that's not how it comes off. It's like, yeah. I don't, I don't see the pain and the heartache and the generations worth of complete bullshit that people of color have had to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's, and I try to explain that to people because I was talking to a friend of mine. She is, um, I don't want to get the wrong, I want to say Ojibwe, but I may be wrong. So I'm not, I won't. Anyway, we were having a discussion about um, the Trail of Tears and the different genocides that occurred to First Nations, Indigenous Americans that are not taught at all in the U.S. and she was telling me it's about one um, why um, why she doesn't celebrate Thanksgiving. I don't because it's not a Canadian. Our Thanksgiving has nothing to do with pilgrims or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. And she said there was a massacre of seven hundred people, and then they had a Thanksgiving dinner afterwards. And I was like, whoa, that doesn't surprise goes, me at all. And she's like, yeah, it's a day of mourning for us. I'm like, well, that makes perfect sense. I I understood that it was never good to begin with. But yeah. to have somebody tell you that 700 people were killed and then they had dinner afterwards, it's just, it really hits home. So for me, it's like, you have to listen to the people whose family's history it is to find out what's going on. Like people talk about um, all the immigrants coming in from Mexico. Oh and my they, gosh. We're all immigrants for God's sakes, except Native Americans. They're the only ones that were here. But here's the thing. A lot of Mexican are indigenous peoples. They are indigenous. They are. Yeah, they are. This is their country. So when they're crossing the border to Texas, 
they're crossing a fictional border we put on the land that is their original land. There's the whole war that went on. Like, this is theirs. They've always lived here. So it's like one of the astronauts said, there's no borders in space, and it made him look at the world in an entire different, different uh, light. Yeah. Because it's just one big planet. It's so true. And I mean, I love it when people are like, you don't need, I don't need them coming in and taking my jobs and my land. I'm like, bitch, it wasn't your land. (laughs) We stole this land. (laughs) There was was a lady, and she said it perfectly. She said, if somebody who can come into this country illegally does not speak the language, does not have uh, any experience or anything like that, and still takes your job, you should have never had that job to begin with. Yes. How and I was that? like, oh, I like her. I'm <laughs> yeah. going to follow her because she makes sense. And it's true. Like, people, and then you'll have the, well, they're all going to be on welfare. I'm like, how can they take your job and all be on welfare at the same time? That doesn't even make sense. And they can't so be on welfare without a social security number anyways. So, you know what? There's and that. people, <laughs> the problem is so many people don't understand the immigration system. I went through it, so I understand it. It's and a fucked up system. Listen, it is, it, and it's expensive. Thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And even if they make a mistake, you have to pay to correct their mistake. So it's, it's oh, yeah. And it's bloated. You send in the same information again and again and again and again, just with a different number on the page. And you pay hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars for this. And like, even uh, now you don't get a um, wallet size citizenship card. Although given all the stuff that's going on, they should. But it's a huge eight and a half by eleven page, and it's if you lose it, it's five hundred fifty dollars oh for them God. to reprint it, and it takes months, months. And I'm these, like, it's not. And these people yeah. coming seeking asylum, these aren't rich people from South America or like Mexico oh. or any of those places. These are the poor and the trodden and the people who are trying to escape atrocities here. So they don't yeah. have thousands of dollars. No, and a lot of people don't realize that. A lot of the stuff that they're escaping from, we caused. Yeah. Like, when you look at our history in, in Honduras and Ecuador and San Salvador and all, all the stuff in Nicaragua, all the stuff that we've done, installing dictators, removing democratically elected people, they're like, what do you mean you, we had this, we caused this? I'm like, really? You don't realize that the reason people in Iran don't like us is because we took out their democratically elected president and installed a Shah who was a dictator? hello, this is, like, look at this stuff, go back to the 50s and follow through, and you'll see exactly what happened. And it's, the chickens have come home to roost. People are leaving now because it's no longer safe, and we are part of the problem. So yeah. it's, and then people are like, well, I'm a Christian. I'm like, well, if you're a Christian, you should be welcoming them with open arms, because right. that's what the Bible teaches us. I'm like, the book of Matthew, did it get taken out of all your Bibles or what? Like, hello? And so when we're talking about people of color, we are talking about people of all, because, you know, when you're talking, you can be talking about Native Americans, you could be talking about um, Black people, African Americans, all of it, because these are people that white people have been discriminating against for centuries. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, 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 it comes full circle here with, we really, it's not, it's not that we're trying to demonize white people. It's just, you know, as a white person, I need to check my, myself and say, yeah. look at all the things that I have available to me. And I need to use that 
to help the people who don't have that. Yep. And, so, and people are like, I get it a lot like, D, you're, you're pro-black, so you must be anti-white. I'm like, no, I'm not anti-white. I'm anti-oppression. I'm anti-police brutality. I'm anti-racism. I'm anti-sexism, anti-somatic, against, yeah, um, I'm anti-stuff. And people are like, what do you mean? I'm I'm like, well, it's easier to be a non-racist than it is to be an anti-racist. Because non-racist doesn't require any action. Whereas an anti-racist requires action. That's like saying I'm a non-rapist. Well, it's easy to be a non-rapist. It's harder to be anti because then you're actually actively going out against and um, working towards stronger rape laws. So people don't get three months for raping unconscious women or 90 days for raping a five-year-old. Like, or two and a half years for molesting 13 kids and raping two of them. Uh, I yeah, actually know exactly. that that actually happened in my lifetime. So. <laughs> Oh, that's yeah. It's just it's 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 ridiculous, and I agree with you. I I always say I'm pro equality for all human, but I am I'm right there with the anti. Like I do what I can to use my platform to be able to spread awareness on these topics and and use my voice to show that there mm-hmm. there there is not equality in, in out there. Like not in the whole world, and and definitely not in the United States. We try to say we're progressive, but we sure the hell aren't. So if there, as we wrap this up, Dee, if there was something that you would want to leave my audience with, what would you want them to know? Um, Silence is agreement. And if you see something happening, say something. So if if you see, for instance, today at the playground, there was kids playing immigration. Three little white kids playing immigration. Yes, so it was fun. What? Because after after five at the playground, it's usually all uh, people of color. So we have Hispanic people, we have Indian people, we have black people, we have people from all over the world. And so three little white kids come in, they're playing immigration. And you want to see an entire playground stop and look. And there was one other lady who was running by and she just stopped, she was stretching. And she's like, she went over to this lady, she's like, this isn't okay. You can't do this. Where the hell did they learn this shit? They learn it from their parents. I'm in Maryland. (laughs) I'm in Maryland. Maryland has... Um, we have a lot of hate groups. You, if you drive from Maryland to Delaware, you'll see a Confederate flag. So I always tell people to say something if they see something. Stand in your power and use your privilege to do right. And people will listen to another white person before they listen to a black person or somebody of color. And that's just the way it is. So always speak up. And so if you see your friend calling some, calling the cops on somebody at the pool, call them out oh my gosh you know it's happening all the time i know it's so ridiculous though like why because people are uncomfortable because now we have access some of us have access to things that they think that we shouldn't have access to so they are not comfortable with us in their spaces anymore so they call so it's you know what I mean? And you see for yourself, some of them are absolutely ridiculous. Calling the cops on a little kid selling water, like, right? that's pretty low. And so I always tell people, speak up. Speak out, speak out, speak out, speak out. Because the more people that speak out, the more that people will see that this is no longer tolerated. It's not okay. And we can move forward. Because if we don't have the conversations, we'll never move forward. And that's all there is to it. So we need to have the conversations. 
I cannot agree more. And that's why I continue to try to have these kind of conversations on the podcast. It's funny because I I had I actually had a a, pot, a potential podcast guest. I emailed her the link and everything and she came back at me and she's like, due to the content of your podcast, I just don't think it'd be a good idea for me to be a guest on it at this time. I'm like, oh shit, I'm doing a good job here. Like if I can offend somebody like that, I am doing what I'm trying to do because I want people to get riled up and offended and maybe they'll down the road check themselves and be like, I was wrong. I was in the wrong here. So Dee, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. This was such a wonderful conversation. I'm going to link up all of your links in in the show notes so everybody can get in touch with you. Okay, and I will send you the link for the uh, privilege test so people can try it out and see where they sit. All right, it was great talking to you. Yes. I'll keep listening. I'll look forward to hearing more from you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Inspired Women Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, share this out with your friends and family, and join us in the Inspired Women community on Facebook. I'll catch you next week.